The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Good morning. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Luke 17, the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 17. I want to thank Mike for this opportunity. It's a great honor. Um, I've just been up in North Carolina visiting my son and his wife and uh, learning to play um, card games again. I always come in last. I'm always last in always when I play cards, so nobody has to worry about me with that. But it's an honor now and then to be with Mike and uh, to uh, share this with you. It is a little bit cool outside. I have a little post-nasal drip whenever I come to the Carolinas, so if I cough a little bit, that's why. So uh, I'm, I'm good. I've had the vaccine. I'm good. But, uh, and I do distance. I live with my 89-year-old mother, and I take care of her. And so uh, I, uh, I'm careful. But uh, I want to talk to you this morning about gratitude. wrote a little book on gratitude, and it's been part of my journey the last several years especially. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift you did not deserve, you did not earn, and you did not expect. How do you respond? What do you do when somebody gives you something so far beyond what you could ever expect? There's a guy named Brendan Manning. He's an author, and uh, he's, he's with the Lord now. But he wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel, and it was about how uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for the pious, but it's also for broken people and the marginalized and the outcasts. And he, he tells a story about where he was speaking at a church. And as he was speaking at that church, when he finished, a man came up to him. He didn't know this man. He wasn't from that church. And I'm not, I'm not telling this story so one of you will do this for me, what I'm about to share, okay? But this man just went up to him and muttered something to him and said, I prayed about this, and stuck an envelope in his pocket. He got back to where he was staying that night and opened it up. It was a check for $6,000. That'll bless your whole day, won't it? <laughs> As he thought about those $6,000, he thought about a place he had just been. He had recently been to Juarez, Juarez, Mexico, working with the homeless and people who live in slums, literally live on the garbage heaps there just across the Texas border. And he thought about a father that he met who had, uh, I believe, nine, no, he had ten children, but three of them had died because of the poverty there. So he sent that man the check. Every bit of it. The next two days after the mail had time to run, he got nine individual letters handwritten from that father. Every one of them. Thank you. I can't believe this. I'm so grateful. He explained how he was using the money for his own family and others. And then Manning says this, When a person gets a gift they don't expect, they express what? Genuine gratitude. Amen? We're coming to the Easter season. You will never receive a gift like the gift Jesus gave us. You will never be less deserving of a gift. I will never be less deserving than the gift that gives us the love of God. Amen? Amen. It's irreversible. People are fickle. They'll love you one day and despise you the next. God's love is irreversible. There is now therefore what? 
no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And that's in Romans 8, 1. Later on it says, uh, in Romans 8, it says there's no separation from God, from God's love. And so I want to talk to you about the story of some lepers. But before I do that, I want to to just take you for just a moment to Romans chapter 1. In Romans, Paul is talking about uh, this great and amazing gospel, this gift that he's not ashamed about. And in Romans 1, he he goes into this uh, several chapters long description of sin and wickedness and how the wrath of God is poured out on us. And, And he says something that I've really never seen until just recently. But listen to this, Romans 1 verse 20. For God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they're without excuse. So just to look out at creation, we're going to talk about this tonight. I'm going to do some training. I'm going to talk about just to look out at creation. You, you know there's something more to this world than us. There's something bigger. There's something greater. There had to be something that, that I've been to Stonehenge in England. Nobody thinks those stones just happened there. Somebody put those rocks there. How much more does someone have to create this amazing universe? And yet, what does the Bible say? Instead of using that as motivation to pursue God, verse 21, although they knew God, they knew about God, they did not honor Him as God. Now look at the next phrase. Or give thanks to Him. You know one of the ways that we get in trouble is when we become ungrateful. That's how we get into arguing on the internet. And we get too carried away with politics. Or we get too obsessed with our ball team. Even. Uh, whatever it is. We get uh, secondary things become primary because gratitude. Let me tell you what gratitude does. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. And so I want us to look, and if you've got a pen or pencil or lipstick or anything, I want to give you a few things about uh, the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory, right? I want to, I want to give you a few, verse, a few things about this idea of gratitude. Listen, the primary reason we struggle with anxiety, and I'm not talking about clinical depression, that's an issue where, uh, and I struggle with that somewhat, quite frankly. Uh, and sometimes people really need the help of medicines and other things. I'm not taking any right now. I just spend a lot of time in the Word, right? But, I mean, if you do need that, sometimes we need that. And so I'm not talking about that, but I'm just talking about just, just, you know, just getting anxious about the cares of this life. That, that The reason sometimes that kind of overtakes us is because we... Uh, this is what I've learned. The more I focus on me, the more unhappy I am. The more I focus on God, the more joy I have. Right? The reason, listen, I'm not one of these guys that talks about evangelism and sharing your faith from the perspective of if you're not doing it, you're evil. Listen, God loves you. If you're His child, He loves you. He settled that issue. He cannot do anything greater than what He did through the cross to show how much He loves you. God proved His love toward us while we yet sinners Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8, right? So if you never witness the rest of your life, God's not going to love you less. You'll just miss out on the joy of being the person God created you to be. So I'm, my perspective is you are created to do that. We'll talk about that more tonight. But here's my point. The reason a lot of us don't share our faith is because we're not grateful. We're not grateful. 
Because we talk about stuff we're grateful about. My daughter's birthday is today. She is the princess. Her name's Hannah. She is the, she is the apple of my eye. She is my princess. We are so close. She's the mother of my two grandkids. She's married to a great guy who uh, uh, works at Vanderbilt in neuropsychology, studying Alzheimer's, trying to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Uh, and, man, my, my little girl loves Jesus, and she loves her daddy. I was up there last weekend and took her to breakfast. We had a dad daughter. We still do dad daughter dates. And I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm grateful for her. Luke chapter 17. Jesus is traveling. He's on his way. He's doing his ministry. Verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Kind of the border there between. You know, Samaria was that place the Jews didn't like, you know. Who is a Samaritan today? Somebody you don't like. But the Bible says we're to love Samaritans. The reach Samaritans, right? And so it says in verse 12, when he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. We're going to read that one of them is a Samaritan. Isn't it funny that people that are broken and on the margins, they tend to be able to get along with each other? <laughs> That's another sermon. I won't even go there. But anyway, uh, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master. They knew something about Jesus. Have mercy on us. Has God ever said no to a cry for mercy? The Bible says God hears the cry of the brokenhearted. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When He saw them, He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. The Old Testament said that's what they were to do. And as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, they got up and they started walking the leprosy went away. Then one of them, one out of ten, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Wouldn't you? Well, ten of them didn't. Maybe we would, maybe we wouldn't. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, the one that turned back. That's not incidental. And Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, listen to this. We heard a testimony already today from this dear, dear, this dear lady. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Three things. Number one, we need to remember our own brokenness. Have a friend. He, he's a former colleague of mine at Southeastern Seminary. And I texted him this morning. He's been walking with me closely these last few years, and the dear brother, his name's Sam, and I texted him and said, I'm speaking for a, for a friend this morning, and he said, what's your text and what's your topic? And I, I get Luke, Luke 17, 11 and following, and I'm talking about the lepers. And you know what he texted back? He said, I'm a leper. I'm a leper. I need Jesus in my life. We recognize our own brokenness. Um, you see a picture of an RV. What's that picture of the RV for? Uh, this this day last year, I was I, I was I'd just been to see my son and his wife in North Carolina. I was flying up to Chicago where my daughter and her husband lived. Then he was finishing his doctorate in neuropsychology, and I flew up there. And I'm on a, I, I, I do, I'm a writer full time now, and I was on a writing team working on a book for a, for a publisher on a, on a evangelicalism, and uh, and so we were meeting, and about two days in. The pandemic hit, and everything shut down. And my week-long trip turned into three weeks, 
which I was staying with my daughter and the grandbabies, and we watched a lot of Frozen and Disney Plus, and I worked a little bit. And Anyway, uh, but I finally flew home, and it was weird flying through Chicago's airport. They have two major airports. And I'm going through the line with my mask. I had an N95 mask, and I'm the only person going through the entire security port. That is just like the twilight zone in an airport that busy. And I fly home, but I told you I'm staying where I take care of my elderly mother. So what did I do? I had some friends who loaned me an RV. For the next two weeks, I quarantined myself because Chicago had been total lockdown. And I, I lived in an RV for two weeks, which is long enough. If you have an RV, God bless you. That was enough for me, okay? Uh, I'll stay in the bed and breakfast. I'll be, I'll be fine. Uh, but anyway, I'm grateful for that. I was able to, you know, Mom and I would sit outside on the patio and eat. 10 feet apart and fellowship and that kind of thing. But I know something about quarantine. But the COVID p- pandemic introduced us to quarantines and masks. Some of you are wearing them today. If I get very close to you, I got one right there in my Bible. I'll put it on. I'm, 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 I'm careful. It's, it's fine. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's me. What I'm saying is this is not the first time people have had to wear masks or separate six feet. If you go back to Leviticus, what you'll find out is that lepers... Leviticus 13, 45, and 46, they had to follow far more stringent guidelines. They had to tear their clothes. It had to be obvious from a distance. It was more than a mask. They had to tear their clothes and show that there was something different about them. They had to stay far away from people, and if anybody happened to come near them, they had to go, unclean, unclean! Outside of Jesus, we're all unclean. We cannot in the presence of God. Unclean! These lepers were the outcasts. They were disgusting. Listen to this statement. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is disgust. And very close to that is just plain disinterest. You just talk to a child who was raised in a home where their parents showed no interest in them. You'll see an adult starving for love. And even worse, you show a child, show me a child who grows up in a home where they're treated like they're disgusting to their parents. Don't think that doesn't happen often. And you see people with serious issues they have to work through in their adult life. If you've been in a job where your boss treated you with disgust, like they were just sad you were even there, you know the weight of that. Can I just say this? You cannot reach people that you have disgust toward. And we have people in our culture today that are involved in all kinds of gross sinfulness. But they're still created in the image of God. And they still can be saved by Jesus. Amen? Because if they can't, I can't. <laughs> okay? Uh, Jesus died for sinners. Amen? And so these lepers realized they were broken. They needed God's help. They were crying out to Jesus as Master for mercy. When's the last time you just cried out to Jesus for mercy? You just cried out for Him. Because of something beyond your control or some foolish decision. For whatever reason, just cried out to Him. Number two, not only do we recognize our own brokenness or remember it, number two, we realize God's love for the broken. That's the good news. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end with they cried out for mercy and they just were passed by. <laughs> you know, no, no. They cried out for mercy, and it says Jesus saw them when they cried for mercy. 
Jesus saw them. He looked at them. Jesus looks at us whether we're diseased, broken, marginalized, sin-wrecked, poor, outcast in our own family. He sees us. And He knows our name. When God seems most silent, He is often most near. God is at work. God is near. He told the lepers to go show themselves to the priests. And as they went, they obeyed Jesus. They simply found themselves healed. There was, there was no strings attached. Like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me and be my disciples and I'll heal you. That, that, that wasn't it. I want you to come to church three times out of four Sundays and you can do one, two, three. No, no, no. It wasn't a bait and switch, okay? If you'll go show yourself to the priests and you'll follow me and you'll give everything you have. Well, they didn't have anything, right? It was just... Go, and they went. Jesus doesn't ask us when we talk to people about Him on His behalf. He doesn't say, well, first of all, you've got to be trained, and you've got to have all the answers. You've got to know the gospel backwards and forward and be able to answer any question anybody has. He just says, go. Tell your story. I was blind, but now I see. I was leprous, and now I've been set free. I was a sinner, and God has shown me His grace that I do not deserve. And show that to people. Like I said, Romans 8, no condemnation, no separation. There's a third thing. Resolve to be marked by gratitude. So it's a wonderful story. They realized they were broken. We need to realize our own brokenness. They, they went to Jesus. They went to the one who had mercy for them. Uh, and, and, and they were healed. But that's not the end of it, at least for one of them. Look what it says. One of them, verse 15, turned back. And he praised God with a loud voice. Pentecostal. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus is surprised. He's like, what, what, wait, what, what, where are the nine? There's just one? And he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Resolved to be marked by gratitude. This man was a Samaritan. He didn't have anything going for him. I want to show you. See that little journal right there? Uh, uh, I, I'll be 62 the day before Easter, April 3rd. No, no birthday gifts, please. But uh, I'll be 62. On my 60th birthday, I went up to Chicago, and I spent a weekend with my daughter and her husband, and they took me to a Michelin star restaurant. I mean, it was really nice. They got a lot of those in Chicago. Really nice restaurant. It was really cool. But then they gave me something. They gave me a little journal. It was just a, like a Dollar General uh, journal. It wasn't really fancy. But in the front, my daughter had written me a note. My son-in-law had written me a note. My son, my grandson Lincoln, who was two at the time, scribbled on it. And uh, my granddaughter Judas had not been born yet. But, uh, um, but um, here's, here's what they gave it to me for. They said, they said Dad, we want, you to, we want to encourage you every day to write Three things you're grateful for. And I'd already kind of started doing that. But I started that day. And every day, I think I can say since then to this morning. This morning I got up. The first thing I did in my journal, I wrote, God, I thank you today for the opportunity to serve my brother Mike and his church. Don't deserve it. It's grace. I thank you for my sweet Hannah that for her birthday and how precious she is to me. And I thank you for your great grace toward me because I don't deserve it and you have been so good to me. Did you know that research, I mean psychologists have done massive research studies on this, that if for 21 days you write three things every day you're grateful for, it 
greatly lessens people's that are suicidal tendency towards suicide. It changes people's mental outlook. It's amazing what five minutes a day just starting your morning focused on gratitude instead of looking at social media or listening to the news. God forbid that, you know, that, that's really, really going to encourage you, right? <laughs> uh, but to start with our focus on God, I challenge you, if you get anything from this today, just for three weeks, just every morning, just write down three things you're thankful for. And then if you have somebody in your life that's a, 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 a spouse, a, a, a friend, a, a child... At night before you go to bed, tell each other something you're thankful for. It'll change your life. See, we live in the day of the extreme and the blockbuster and the huge thing and the national championship and all these big events. And it's the little things like gratitude that actually change our lives. What difference would it make if now, maybe even four weeks, maybe now till Easter, every morning you thank God for three things, and one of those every day was in some way thanking Jesus for his gift of salvation through his cross. And it can be something as simple. Some, some mornings, one of the things I write is I'm breathing because I've been so low in my life that I didn't even know if I could make it the next day. And my daughter-in-law said something to me. She said, if, you're, if you know Jesus and you're breathing, he's still got a purpose for you. Amen. Amen? I believe that. So sometimes, several times a year, all right, I thank God today that my heart is still beating, that I'm, that I'm healthy. I'm 61. I got an artificial hip. I'm not going to beat you in a sprint, okay? But I'm healthy. I'm healthier than I was when I was 40. And, I'm, and I, I plan to serve Jesus till I'm 90 or 100. That's my plan. I got 30 more books I want to write. If I get run over by a truck tomorrow, I'll just be in heaven, okay? I'll just be all right. I'll be back with my, I'll see my dad. I miss him. But I'm so grateful that my daughter and her husband and that my, my family gave me that journal. I filled it up after about three months, and now I, I, I use something else, but I have not stopped that practice. I never will. I never will because there is something about gratitude that cuts through the cynicism and my own self-righteousness and my judgmental sneering toward others. It makes me more kind. It makes me more patient. It makes me more gracious. So I want to give a, a, a kind of a cure for our malady, whatever it is. You may be here today and you feel inadequate. You say, yeah, I know Jesus loves me, but I can't for whatever reason. Because something I've done, because something somebody did to me, just because this world's broken and I've got this and this, this excuse, God can't use me. If you're breathing and you know Jesus, He's not done with you. And the cure starts not with a new plan, not with a new platform, not with a new five-step deal. It starts with gratitude. So I want to put a slide up on the screen. I want to make an application with, with, and, and tell you four things about God. Now, I didn't come up with this. Uh, it's from a book called Everyday Church, which is a great book by a couple of men. And, they, they may, and I, want to, I want to apply this from this passage. But I want you to see if you can learn these statements... I almost printed, had them printed up to, to give everybody. I've done that before for folks. Uh, if you can understand these statements and apply them to your life, you'll start seeing them in every song you sing in church. You'll start seeing them every time you're reading the Scripture. You'll see it. So I want to just show you this and be real practical. Number one, God is great. Do you believe God is great? Do you believe there's no one greater than God? 
Then why are we such control freaks? Don't look at me so spiritual. We are. We all have a go-to when we feel out of control. For some it's anger. For some it's... Uh, for me it's work. I'm going to go vacuum or get the lawnmower out or I'm going to get an axe and chop wood. I'm going to do something. Okay, that's, that's the way I respond. I've got to do something. Why do we have to be in control? It keeps us tense all the time. We're not in control. We, we, we want certainty. If you had certainty in every area of your life, you would need no faith. What we need is clarity in the midst of uncertainty. And God gives us clarity through His Word. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. The, 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 the verse says, when he, when he saw them, He said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest." And what did they do? They said, Jesus, you're in control. I'm going to go to the priest. No questions, no discussion. But what about, but, but, no, 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 you know, here's your bottle of pills, but here's the asterisk. Here's the commercial about this medicine, but all this stuff at the bottom you've got to get and cause all these side effects. No, none of that, just obey. God, you're great. Be grateful God is in control. He gives clarity and uncertainty. Number two, God is glorious. You believe God's the glorious one? We already sang about that today. We sang about His glory. We heard a great testimony about giving glory to God. If a leper can give glory to God, so can you. So can I. I don't have to fear others. How many of you are pretty good with people? Raise your hand. Pretty good with people? Got people skills? You're, you're a people pleaser. So am I. At some level, all of us are. We are way too concerned about what other people think. I, I saw a quote this week. Uh, and it says, what an interesting little, listen, what an interesting little prison we build from the invisible bricks of other people's opinions. What an interesting little prison we build from the invisible bricks of other people's opinions. We need to listen to other people, but not just random people. We need to listen to people who know us, who know our story, who've walked with us and can, can compassionately tell us when we need to straighten up and also pick us up when we're down. Right? God is, God is glorious. I don't have to fear others. Be grateful. The, the Bible says, that verse 15, one of them when he saw he was healed turned back praising God with a loud voice. All he cared about was what Jesus thought. He just wanted to say thanks. I, I've done a study of different people, and I write about them in a couple of my, my, my more recent books, like the man born blind. I mean, when the man born blind got healed, the, the, the people that knew him were like, man, that's awesome. No, they were like, what? what? Something fishy is here. And then, then he went to the religious leaders, the Pharisees. Oh, they're going to say, oh, this is from God. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know this Jesus dude that did that. There's something wrong with him. And then his parents, his parents threw him under the bu- or threw him under the chariot. Okay, well, we, 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 he's a, he's of age, he's a grown man. Ask him, what is wrong with us? But the man would not give up, and he had to see Jesus. And Jesus set him free. And he said, since the beginning of time, no one has seen a man who was healed who was blind, and gave glory to Jesus. Number three, God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. He felt, verse 16, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet. I don't have to look elsewhere. What is better? Listen, did you know that so much of the marketing today, I apologize if you're in advertising, but so much of the marketing today in advertising is called deficit advertising. 
Its aim is to make you feel less adequate because you don't have that product. Just watch commercials and see if it's not the case. Well, you, you, you're not good enough because you don't have this car. I mean, you, 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 you need a Toyota truck that'll a pull a space shuttle. Well, I want to pull a space shuttle, I'll get a Toyota truck. If you got one, that's great. I'll drive my little used Santa Fe. That's, it's all I need. Paid for. Hallelujah. What do we need in our consumer culture? We are one of the most, we, we are over, the most mo- over-medicated, uh, out of shape, unhealthy psychologically people in the history of America. And billions are spent by advertisers to encourage us to feel lousy about ourselves. Like we need help. God is good. God, God is God and God is good. God gives good gifts to His children. Stop acting like, God, I can't get you too close because I, I know if I get too close, you're going to make me do something that I hate and it's going to kill me. No, you keep God at arm's length, that'll kill you. Number four, God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. God is gracious, so I don't have to prove myself. American culture says your performance plus other people's opinions equals success. Scripture says, Jesus said, I am gentle and lowly. Take my yoke upon you. Stop trying to perform. Be my child. Love me. Love people. Serve others. Jesus was amazed that this Samaritan came back and gave gratitude. Be grateful that your identity... Listen, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Be grateful that your identity as a Christian is not in what you do or don't do. It is in what Jesus has already done. When I'm insecure, and that happens a lot, and I get anxious, Satan wants to bring up shame in my life, you know what I do? I start writing down scriptures. I waited for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He raised me out of the miry pit. He set me on a rock. He put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. Many will see, will hear in, in fear of what the Lord has done. Psalm 41 through 3. I'm telling you, quote the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, you are a chosen people, a holy nation. A royal priesthood, a people of his own possession, to, to who, who he delivered to, to, to proclaim his praises of the one who brought you out of, out of darkness into marvelous light. That, that's who we are in Christ. So today, as we close this time, and as we sing in just a moment, come to a time of response. I know it's been different in COVID time, and we have to be careful and so on. But I just wonder this morning, in a moment, I'm going to pray. Pastor Mike's going to come to the piano, and we're going to sing what happens to be my he didn't know this my favorite hymn. There is a fountain. Filled with blood. I mean, if that doesn't make you grateful, I got, no, I got nothing for you. And it might be that you would feel comfortable maybe coming to this front and just getting on your face and saying, God, I hadn't been grateful in a long time. I've been bitter. Or maybe you hadn't been bitter, but you just hadn't taken time to say. Or maybe right there where you're standing while you're singing, you would say, God, I'm going to do something really practical. I'm going to devote myself between now and Easter every morning to write three things I'm thankful for. And I want to see how Easter is different. It's going to be different this year than last year anyway. Amen? Amen. How different could it be in your own life, in your own family? Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. 
For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.